0: This is the Championship Chat Podcast, your home of news, views and debate from England's second tier. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Championship Chat Podcast, sponsored by Cards Accepted. I'm Elliot Jackson and I'm joined as always by George Smith. George, hello, how are you? How was your week? Busy, but probably not quite as
1: busy as yours, but yeah, it's been a busy one for me. But quite a fairly relaxing one, really, on the Manchester United beat for once. Two routine victories, no real drama off the pitch, which is a pleasant change for Man United. But I don't suppose the same can be said for Blackburn Rovers with twists and turns in every single direction, including one about an hour ago.
0: If you wanted to try and write a script for my week, I think you would struggle. I think things such like Star Wars and Harry Potter are more believable than what has happened to Blackburn Rovers in the last week. And we are going to go through it in depth on today's podcast. It's not that often that we mix Blackburn um, and the pod um, because I try and not get too heavy on work in this pod, although, of course, they are a championship club that we do cover. But, yeah, I think it's impossible to ignore the big story of the week is at Ewood Park at Blackburn Rovers. And at the time of recording, about quarter past seven on Thursday night, Yondal Thomason is still employed by Blackburn Rovers. That is just a matter of time, though. He is set to leave the club after 19 months in charge. Um, John Eustace is in the frame to take over, which we'll come on to. But yeah, oh, where do we start on Blackburn Rovers in the last week? A, a quick, a quick, very quick summary. Um, they flew over Duncan Maguire from, United, from Canc- Cancun, actually, um, from Orlando City. And they cancelled the transfer mid flight because um, they had a direct order from the board to cancel all deals with uh, transfer fees. He then lands in Sheffield, goes to Kenwood Hall for some brekkie. Um, Blackburn then resurrects the deal as a loan to buy. He signs, he's announced at 11 o'clock. Brilliant! Elliot trots off to Ewood Park, well, actually to Brock Hall uh, Senior Training Centre on Friday for a normal press conference. Oh, what's that? The manager's not allowed to speak to the media. That's weird. Um, yep, yeah, Blackburn have blocked him from speaking to, to the media. Okay, that's strange. What's going on there? Um, Saturday comes around, turn up at Ewood Park. Oh, lovely. Duncan maguire has got a registration issue. Um, turns out that Blackburn Rovers uploaded all the forms at 10 o'clock and instead of sit- pressing submit... They pressed send. uh, Sorry, the other way around. Instead of pressing submit, they pressed save. So those files, all uploaded, all signed, everything sorted, unlike the Lewis O'Brien one last year where they submitted the documents late because of errors in the paperwork. All done, all signed. Everyone's having a beer because it's been announced. It's done. Got announced at 11 o'clock. Oh, what's happened? If you've clicked save and not send, the deal's not gone through. That's a problem. Uh, Yondal Thomason's then not going to speak to the media because he's going to hit the roof. And then he does speak to the media on Saturday after another defeat. That's one win in 11 if you track him. Um, f- three, uh, five points from possible 33. Um, and then what else did we have? And then Blackburn finally released a statement on Tuesday. It's been appealed. But we'll find out on Thursday if it's going through or not. Oh, what's that on Wednesday night? Blackburn are talking to Yondal Thomason who's handing in his resignation. Um, about a, about an exit because it's just become toxic and untenable behind the scenes, which has been the case since the summer. Did I mention he also offered to resign in the summer, which he told us on Saturday for, for just brought it out of the blue, which is, you know, it wasn't an accident that he decided to make that revelation. Um, and then we get to Thursday, which is today. Um, still not resigned. John Eustace is in the frame to take over, a story exclusively broken by the Lancashire Telegraph. And... We're still waiting. We're still waiting for Yondal Thomason to be announced as no longer Blackburn Rovers head coach. I don't know if there's a press conference on Friday as usual. It's not been organised as of yet. They play Stoke City on Saturday, who are one point and two places below them in the championship table. Both both teams are in undoubtedly a relegation battle. Um, And Duncan Maguire has officially not been registered by the AFL and has now returned to Orlando City. So there's a very brief timeline of events, if you wanted them, as to why I've aged about 90 years in the last week. And yeah, so Yondal Thomason, it's a really sorry end to how this has come about. I thought that he brought an identity to Blackburn Rovers. He was a very personable, very likable character. Obviously, someone that spoke to him numerous times a week. We got to know each other quite well. And he was, he was a breath of fresh air, to be honest. He was really open and honest with the media. He didn't take any crap. Um, you know, he always stuck to his principles. And there was at times where that was probably his undoing, if I'm being honest. You know, there's times where he could have been more of a pragmatist. And, you know, Yondal Thompson has got to take some share of the blame for Blackburn Rovers as Plummet. They were seventh in the table on December the 1st. On the 8th of February, two months and a day later, they are 18th, five points above the bottom three. They've conceded 55 goals. And he's got to take some blame for that. Injuries have been a massive problem, um, issues behind the scenes. The relationship with between him and the board have not been right since the summer. Um, and although Thomason has continued to work and give his all, and I genuinely believe he cares, I think he feels like he's been managing with one hand time behind his back, which is probably true. But that's not to say that results have been good enough or results and performances have improved, particularly in January when some key players have returned and they've gone back to one game a week. And I, for a long period, always said Rovers weren't in a relegation battle. They were too good to go down. I don't think that can be said the case now. They're five points above the bottom three. And as we'll come on to, the way Huddersfield and QPR have picked up points over the weekend, if they don't beat Stoke City or they don't beat Birmingham on Tuesday night, or worse, they lose both of them, they're in big, big trouble, especially when the head coach is set to leave. So I think... Do I think Yondor Thomas is the biggest problem at Blackburn Rovers? No, absolutely not. But it made absolutely no sense to prolong the agony and to continue with this untenable situation that had turned toxic behind the scenes and was no doubt affecting um, the the morale of the group and and no doubt affecting how results were going on the pitch.
1: I think you've just about covered everything there. Do you want to take a little break? Just give your voice a rest. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's just been a car crash, hasn't it? Obviously, I've been looking looking at it from the outside, looking in. It's just been an absolute mess. And the Duncan Maguire thing is just about the icing on the cake, really, isn't it, with that news coming tonight? And yeah, it is an absolute sham. There's there's no way of dressing it up. And it's almost been forgotten in the past week just how bad the form has been on the pitch for the last two months, with the amount of controversy that's gone off, off the pitch. that That is the biggest problem. And I think... Yondal Thomson in the main, has done a very good job at Blackburn Rovers. Let's not forget, they so nearly snuck into the playoffs last season, in his first season in charge. Obviously missed out on the final day in a dramatic turn of events with, with a, a comeback at Millwall and then events elsewhere. But, yeah, he's got to shoulder some of the blame for matters on the pitch in the past couple of months, because there has been a very clear regression where it's been at quite an alarming rate. But like you said, he's had to contend with injuries. And when there is a level of toxicity about the club behind the scenes, it does filter down onto the pitch. And there are other clubs that we've seen this year, Reading being one in League One where that transpires down through the through the departments of the club and onto the pitch. And it, as the saying goes, the fish rots from the head downwards. So black men have got a major problem off the field with the ownership, with the Venkies, and it has transpired onto the pitch, even though injuries have played their part. Because rovers, let's not forget, up until late November, early December, were a team that we were tipping as a genuine threat for the top six with the way they were playing and the, the results they were picking up. I remember I mentioned, it, I think, last week or the week before when we said after the, uh, the win at Stoke when they won 3-0 that we thought this was the year they could break into the top six. And since then, it's just been an absolute nightmare. And you've mentioned there, obviously, Huddersfield, QPR, picking up vitally important wins last weekend. QPR, of course, winning at Ewood Park. All of a sudden, Blackburn have been reeled right into this. And there's a chance that, say, within the next week or so, Huddersfield could overtake them. I mean, this weekend, it could be a a tall order, Huddersfield going to Southampton. That's going to be a very difficult task for the Terriers. But stranger things have happened. You never know. But Blackburn, whereas last week you said you didn't expect them to sort of fall into the danger of going down, they are right in the thick of it now. There's no escaping it. They're two points above the bottom three. And... All of a sudden, they've gone from being playoff contenders to serious relegation candidates. So there's a big mess going on there. But in matters off the pitch, I think you've got to feel incredibly sorry for Duncan Maguire in all of this.
0: Absolutely. He flew
1: over to England with the expectation of joining Blackburn. He arrives in England, then expecting to join Sheffield Wednesday, even travels over to Sheffield, sits in a Sheffield hotel for a few hours on deadline day morning. Then that deal doesn't work out. He travels up to Ewood Park, gets his medical done, does all the the regulatory stuff, signs the contract, everything's moving in the right direction. Rovers announce it and then that breaks down, having taken a week. And it's quite remarkable that a player that probably 99.9% of championships supporters had never heard of this time a fortnight ago has been one of the biggest sagas in championship transfer history. So you've got to feel sorry for him in all of this because none of this is his fault. So, good luck to him going back to Orlando and hopefully when the MLS season picks up again, he can, he can get on with his football without any un, unwanted distractions. But for Blackburn on the pitch, they, they are in a real mess at the minute and with Yondal Thomason's exit seemingly imminent, as we record this on Thursday night, who knows when the announcement officially will come. It is one big mess and that is the simple way of putting it. It is an absolute car crash and I've never seen a, a, a club in the space of, say, 10 days, go through so many different challenges and unexpected hiccups as this, as what we've seen. It's, it's going to be one of the stories that people look back on in years to come when reviewing the 2023-24 Championship campaign. And all of a sudden, men are about to lose their manager, who, like I say, on the whole, has done a really, really good job and is, seems a very, very likeable character. So the question is now, who do they turn to? John Eustace, is the early favourite and there's interest there. Personally, I think that'd be a good shout. But like a lot of Rovers fans have said, is it going to be the saviour to turn things around in the sense of how much is going off, off the pitch with the mood and everything else? But this could certainly do far worse in terms of a football point of view appointing a manager. But first and foremost, Rovers have got to avoid the drop now. I can't believe that we're saying this, having looking at where they were two months ago. But that is what this season has now become. It is a battle against avoiding relegation to lead one that was unthinkable. So, one hell of a mess. And as you, as the the Blackburn man, I feel deeply sorry for you. you, you like you say, you've aged 90 years in about two weeks.
0: I feel deeply sorry for me as well. Um, <laughs> it's pretty clear that Jon had to go after last week's comments after the game against yeah. QPR and... The, the final straw was the January window and the Duncan Maguire saga. Uh, that was the final straw for him and, and it was clear he was going to leave after that point. John Eustace is the very much the early favourite and is the, the Blackburn Rovers board's first choice. I think he would be a good appointment. He did work under difficult circumstances at Birmingham before they were taken over by Nighthead and did a very good job. Did very good job with a, an upgraded squad as well. And he got them to sixth in the table before it's very controversially and incorrectly sacked by Birmingham City. So I think it'd be a really, really good appointment putting all of the nonsense to one side, which is very difficult to do at the moment. Um, but the biggest issues are off the pitch. There was chanting when the second goal went in um, against QPR, you know, the, the celebrations of the QPR away and were drowned out by booze and by chance of um, Venkis get out of the club and chance against the CEO, Chief Executive Steve Waggett, who's come under fire for a lack of communication and for for his decision-making. They've, of course, lost Adam Wharton, who was sold to Crystal Palace. And now they've lost Duncan Maguire as well, someone who was going to come in and add goals, hopefully, to their game. They have still at least got a decent squad, certainly a squad that should be staying in the Championship. They've got maybe some money, possibly, to offer a new manager in the summer. I don't know what of that will be used to cover the, the bills that the Venkies are currently unable to pay because of the restrictions in India and what will be available to a manager. But there will definitely be people wanting to take this job on because the squad is decent, a lot of good young players and just a massive, massive games coming up for Rovers. They play, as I say, they play Stoke on Saturday, they play Birmingham away on Tuesday night And just looking at Saturday's game in isolation, George, it's a massive game for Stoke City as well because they're bang out of form, beating 5-0 by Leicester last weekend. It's going to be a huge game. And and whoever loses that is going to be a meltdown come five o'clock on Saturday, whichever fan base it is.
1: Yeah, it's a huge one. It really is. Just a point separating the two at the minute, Blackburn with a game in hand on Stoke. But like I say, going back to last weekend, QPR, Huddersfield both recording vitally important wins. Has sucked the likes of Blackburn, Stoke, Birmingham, Millwall, Swansea right into the thick of a battle. All of a sudden, so it's a really, really big game this one. And Blackburn obviously are uh, being at home; there's, there's been an expectation on their shoulders. Stoke have been stuttering in recent weeks. Obviously, got thumped by Leicester City last time out. But it makes you wonder what the atmosphere is going to be like at Ewood Park because it's been a very, very frustrating week for the supporters. And yondal and Let's face it, he's been very popular throughout his tenure as Blackburn manager. So there's going to be a little bit of discontent shown towards the hierarchy in the sense that their their failure to support him and back him with what he's needed has driven him to this decision. So I'd imagine there's going to be quite, a, quite an angry atmosphere there at the weekend. But for Stoke as well, Stephen Schumacher, albeit very, very early days in his tenure, it's not quite got off to the start that he would have liked. He had that initial bounce first two or three games where he picked up some good results. But since then, their form has been really off it. So, you wouldn't have thought it's going to be a game that's going to live up to, to expectation in the sense of it's going to be exciting, free-flowing football. But it could well be a game that's won by scrappy determination. So, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. But like you say, it's a it's a huge game in the context of the season for, for both clubs. And you look at Stoke, they've lost their last three games. But by and large they've been better away from home in recent weeks than they have been at home so they'll be looking to make amends from that defeat to to Leicester last time out but like you say it's a huge one and failure uh, a defeat for either team depending what happens beneath them as well over the weekend is going to suck them even further into what was initially looking like a battle between four clubs really out of three of the four to go down and all of a sudden there's about four or five more that have joined the equation so Maybe this isn't going to be quite as simple and straightforward as we thought, say, a fortnight ago. But for Blackburn and Stoke, for the for the situation of where they're at and where things have happened off the pitch in the last couple of weeks, certainly in Blackburn's case, that this is arguably the biggest game of the season for both of them so far.
0: Do you think that this game is more important for one rather than the other? It feels like probably for Rovers, just given the toxicity I around think, the club at the I moment. Think,
1: I think Blackburn need a win in the sense just to lift some of the doom and gloom, albeit even if it's only slightly. For Stoke, it, it is important for them as well. They they've been in a really bad run, to be fair, in the last few weeks. It's only one win, I think, in their last six games now, so they've got problems of their own. And Steven Schumacher's already under a little bit of pressure, let's be honest. He he's under pressure because he's gone in there to take Stoke forward and they, they have regressed slightly since he went in there. So there's certainly a a big weight of pressure on both teams ahead of this one, and I wouldn't be surprised if it ended up in a stalemate. But stranger things have happened. One team could wallop the other. Who knows?
0: Rovers Ro- Ro- a stalemate. You do realize they've conceded fifty five goals this season, the worst. You they? never know.
1: Yeah, never know. They might 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 just fancy a draw for a change. Three draws in their opening twenty nine games. Maybe there's room for a fourth in thirty. But
0: not your. You never
1: be. know. But no, it's um, it's gonna be an interesting one. But whoever. Say if there is a winner in it, whoever loses it is going to be in for a really rough week because there's obviously a midweek bank of fixtures next week. Then we go again the following weekend. This is a pivotal week in the championship season for a lot of clubs this coming week.
0: Let's move on to the the championship relegation battle as a whole. Um, obviously, we've touched on Blackburn. We've touched on Stoke. QPR and Huddersfield are the reason why we're particularly bringing the teams above into the conversation because they are reeling the teams above them in after last weekend. We'll start with QPR. They beat Blackburn Rovers 2-1, obviously a game I was at, uh, and a, a deserved win for Marty Sifuentes's side. I thought there was a, a lot to like. I thought this first half was quite even. Neither team really created a load of clear-cut chances, but in the second half, QPR did step things up. Sinclair Armstrong, if he could shoot or, or he just got a little bit more finesse in the final third, he wouldn't be playing for QPR. He is such a handful. He's so quick, so direct, so physical. He's just a bit clumsy and a bit rough around the edges when it comes to in front of goal or that final pass, that final piece of decision making. But it was really impressed by him. Ilias Cher is a match winner and he always looked like cutting in and scoring a goal, albeit very lucky with the way it comes off the post and hits the back of Ainsley Pairs and goes in. Um, But the second goal was, was really nice from Joe Hodge on his debut, signed from Wolves. And suddenly, after a couple of wins recently, QPR looked like the ones that could clamber out of it. But at the same time, Huddersfield, a massive, massive win over Sheffield Wednesday. So let's touch on QPR first, and they've really given themselves a shot in the arm. They, they'd won one; they'd had one win in eight up until recently, George. So to, to go and beat Blackburn Rovers in the manner that they did, and ex- and really exert themselves and reel Blackburn in, really, really big shot in the arm for for QPR.
1: Huge boost and it's like you just said there, one win in eight, it sounds an absolutely horrendous record and then they go to Blackburn and win that game and suddenly it's two wins in three and three unbeaten. So it just goes to show how quickly the, the viewpoint can change on a club's form and momentum. But for QPR, a vitally important win and like I say, seven points from the last nine on offer. Uh, quite easily though, could have, been, could have been six from nine, obviously getting that last gas draw against Huddersfield the week before. So that was a vitally important point in the grand scheme of things for QPR. But when we said on last week's episode, when we when we made our our little mid-season predictions that we did for the end of the campaign, your, I said your that
0: age, yours aged spectacularly better than mine. In a week,
1: it did. I uh, I fancy QPR as I, I pointed to the individual quality and particularly Ilias Chair, and obviously he's been being key at various junctures for QPR throughout his time at Loftus Road. And if QPR are going to beat the drop, they're going to need him to be at their very, uh, be hit teeth in. They're going to need him to be his very, very best. And we know what a talented player he is. He's been linked with Leicester at various points this season. And if Leicester want him, that just goes to show what a quality player he is. And we all know how good Ilias Chair is. But for QPR now, the challenge is to find a little bit of consistency. And that's something that I alluded to a few weeks back. At the end of November and the start of December, they won three in a row under Marty Cifuentes. They got that initial bounce and and things were really looking up. Then they went on that slump of where, like you said, the one winning eight. Now they've managed to get two wins out of the last three, a draw sandwiched in the middle of it. It does feel like they've got a little bit of momentum about them. And QPR, obviously, a big problem for them has been their home form for the best part of 18 months. That's been a really big issue. But they've taken four points in the last six on offer at Loftus Road. So it may be just does suggest they're starting to change that now. And you look at QPR's next four fixtures in isolation, and it's a good opportunity for them to get some points on the board, if I'm being truthful. They've got Norwich at home this weekend coming, and Norwich are a team that you just never really seem to know what you're going to get from Norwich. They can either be up and and at it. Norwich
0: side that are somehow one point off the playoffs. How did that that
1: happen? That's exactly the thing. Three wins in four, beating the teams in and around them has propelled them up the table all of a sudden. But you still don't know what you're going to get from Norwich. That's the thing. So I think QPR can look at that and think, yeah, they've got a chance of winning the game. But then beyond that, they've got Stoke away next Wednesday night. We'll record another episode the day after the midweek action next Thursday. So we'll no doubt look back on that midweek slate of action. Stoke away. Stoke, obviously, like we've said, in really poor form. Their home record is absolutely atrocious. QPR will be looking at that and thinking, if we can go there and get something, that'll be a good result then Bristol City away the following following weekend, next weekend, and then Rotherham at home the week after. So you look at QPR's next four, I think it's a really good opportunity to try and eat into the little advantage that Huddersfield have got at the minute. And again, I go back to the individual quality chair, Willock, Sinclair Armstrong. Yes, he's got limitations on his shooting ability, but his all-round play is really important to Marti Sifuentes. So there is that individual flair in the final third for QPR that I think is so important. And that's why last week, I suggested that I think they could be the ones where we were sort of saying Rotherham are gone. It's then going to be another two out of Sheffield Wednesday, QPR and Huddersfield. And I pick QPR to survive. And I think it is down to that individual quality. So QPR's next four games certainly look favourable. But beyond that, Leicester away, West Brom at home at the start of March. Really difficult couple of fixtures. So Certainly, this remaining quartet of games in February, I feel, could be really important for QPR. Big week ahead, Norwich, Stoke and Bristol City in the next nine days as we record this.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and Huddersfield, of course, they beat Sheffield Wednesday 4-0. Not only did that give Huddersfield, obviously, a massive boost, but put Sheffield Wednesday eight points adrift of safety. Um, four goals coming in, in, what, 12 minutes, was it, in the end? Uh, a ridiculous run. Um, in front of goal for Huddersfield, Josh Caroma pretty key to that, and, and the fourth goal quite comical in the end. I, I, it was Wednesday actually, you know, started the better and probably had, shaded the first half. But Huddersfield, once they went one 0 ahead, the way Wednesday capitulated and the way Huddersfield went from strength to strength under, of course, the caretaker manager as well, it, it's been a massive, massive week for Huddersfield and a massive week for Sheffield Wednesday. And it does feel like the two fortunes of those clubs have really changed. Um, particularly the mood around the club. Sheffield Wednesday have got quite a bad vibe around them again. Danny Real looks quite frustrated and, and despondent, especially after losing 4-1 in the Cup against Coventry City as well, although that was obviously a much-changed team. and um, They've got Birmingham City on Friday night, which is a massive, massive game for both clubs, but particularly for Wednesday, talk of a, a protest against the owner, depon Chancery after, uh, well, not because of this, but also after a, a pretty underwhelming end to the transfer window.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're recording this Thursday night, so literally 24 hours to go just under before the game now until Wednesday play Birmingham City. It's a, it's an enormous challenge, this one, for the Owls. They've had a really, really bad week, obviously, walloped by Huddersfield in a, a dramatic collapse. And like you said, a much-changed team, beaten by a, a, a well-drilled, full-strength Coventry team, which was to be expected, really. But again, conceding four goals away from home for the third game running is a massive concern. Yes, Wednesday have been underwhelming in the past month or so, but you have got to take into account they played Southampton, they played Coventry what feels like 300 times. Um, but in between all that, they put a really good performance together in the 0-0 with Watford at Hillsborough last week. So there has been glimpses and it's like we've said, and people may say I'm being biased being a Wednesday supporter, but I've got to be honest, with the exception really of the Huddersfield Southampton League games, by and large, Wednesday have been in every game under Danny Rail. That is the thing, the performances generally speaking have been a lot better than what results have suggested since he took over in October. Nevertheless, though, there is massive problems at that football club. Dapon chan Siri failed to back the manager in the January window, Danny Royal. For me, he deserves some financial backing based on what he'd done to get Wednesday into a position at the beginning of January, where they were were in with a really good chance of staying up. They cut the gap to three points on New Year's Day after beating Hull City. And let's not think back to this... You think back to the Cisco Munoz era. Wednesday, they failed to win any of their first 10 games under him. That led to him getting the boot. The Owls were dead and buried. Depon Ponchan, Siri, the Owls owner, failed to back Danny Real in the window. Four loan signings, two of which brought in on deadline day. One of them, in my opinion, the addition of Christian Peders from Swansea, screamed panic by it last minute. Literally just plucked from thin air, thought we'll get him in, just an extra name to add to the roster. And it just doesn't fill me with any sort of confidence at all. So, Personally, I think the gap now at eight points, the Huddersfield defeat was really, really damaging for Wednesday. They are in with a hell of a task now to try and beat the drop. I think it's highly unlikely. And then you think ahead to the run of games that they've got. You've mentioned the Birmingham game tomorrow night, Friday night. And then next Tuesday, they've got the small task of a trip to the King Power Stadium to take on Leicester. And
0: if you take I the the game out, though, from what I'm just looking at the yes. pictures for the next month, Millwall away, Bristol City at home, Rotherham away, Plymouth at home. In the next month, Sheffield Wednesday will either be right in the thick of it of the Great Escape or they'll be relegated. They will. And then after that, that four-game segment
1: you've sort of mentioned there, they've then got Leeds and Ipswich, which, of course, is going to be huge challenges. So, really, it's the next four or five games, Leicester aside that is going to determine Wednesday's season, you would expect. But the Owls, for the position they're in now, they need to go on a run of sort of three or four wins in a row. They need to find a way to put some momentum together. And we did see it really over Christmas and New Year when they put five wins and eight together, that it's not beyond the realms of possibility. But Wednesday, all of a sudden, they look so vulnerable defensively. They just look broken at the back. And that's a massive concern for Danny Roel. But... I think you've got to be truthful and fans of other clubs like sort of not focusing on Wednesday watching all of their games, which is, of course, fair, fair game. You can't watch every single game of a of team you don't support. We don't have time for that. But generally speaking, Wednesday fans acknowledge that the performances and the football on show has been better under Danny Rill than what the results generally have displayed. So the next few weeks are going to be key. The Birmingham game, like I say, tomorrow night, as we record this, is absolutely massive. But like you say, a protest planned against Dapon chan Siri tomorrow night. So I think there's going to be more limelight off the pitch than on it. And let's not forget Birmingham. They need, the, they, they need the points as well for the same reasons, albeit not as desperately. But they're also in danger of getting sucked into this with Huddersfield and QPR picking up points last week. So a huge game at Hillsbron Friday night. And then obviously Wednesday go to Leicester and then they've got Millwall. So generally speaking, their home form has been better under Danny Royal. Certainly, with the the exception of one or two games, Millwall, when they lost 4-0, they've been pretty competitive at Hillsborough Wednesday, to be fair to them. So, Birmingham game is absolutely massive because their away form, as we all know, has been absolutely terrible this season. So, a massive week for the Owls, on and off the pitch again. and It's got to start with three points, anything less, and I think they could be as good as doomed.
0: It does feel like the stuffing's been knocked out of Danny Real a little bit in the January chance. It does. He looks
1: like he's aged. 50 years in three weeks. It really does. He looks more and more frustrated.
0: Of not not getting the players in that he clearly wanted and not potentially having the backing. To have only signed one striker in EK Ugbo, not enough firepower. Huddersfield, George, they obviously were the ones that took the three points and and have done their survival hopes. A massive, massive boost with this win. Um, Interesting to see... There's been more interviews this week, but no decision made on the manager front. Michael Duff is the favourite to take over, which I think would be a really good appointment, as I said on last week's podcast. Um, And just, you know, it felt like they'd taken the shackles off a little bit at the weekend, didn't it? It did. It
1: did. And, you know, we see, don't we, so often when a manager leaves, there's that immediate bounce and yeah, Huddersfield were helped by some shambolic Wednesday defending. And like you said earlier on in the first half, Wednesday did edge that game. They were the better side. They they had the majority of the chance in that first half. Vicky Ugbo, in particular, wasted a glorious opportunity to score. And all of a sudden, the floodgates opened and Huddersfield fully accepted the invitation. And I don't think it was a case of Huddersfield were, were that brilliant. I think it was a case of Wednesday defensively were that bad. So it's certainly... Not one where you can get too carried away when you look at the opposition you're facing, but confidence-wise, morale, mood-wise, it was a huge, huge victory. And suddenly now, Huddersfield are in a position where they can look forward and look ahead and try and try and put a little bit of daylight between themselves and Wednesday and Rotherham. Obviously, QPR are still hot on their heels. There's only a three-point gap there. But if you've only got one potentially to fend off from behind, it's certainly a little bit easier rather than two or three chasing you. Obviously, they're yet to appoint a new manager. Michael Duff, as you mentioned there, is is one of the leading candidates for it. It's almost a fortnight now since Darren Moore went, and they're yet to, yet to make any progress in terms of making the, making the official appointment. But it looks as though they're going to continue under caretaker charge for this weekend. Southampton away. Very, very difficult game. The Saints, obviously, in remarkable form. They're just on fire at the moment, aren't they? Still not lost since September progressed in the FA Cup on Tuesday night with that 3-0 win over Watford in the replay, beat Rotherham in the league last Saturday. So they're in remarkable form. So if Huddersfield were to go to Southampton and get anything at all, it would be an amazing result for them. So I think on the law of averages, you would expect Huddersfield to lose this weekend. And I don't mean that with any disrespect. It's just a case of how good Southampton are at the moment. But you look beyond that Southampton game uh, and Huddersfield have got got a... Got a slight chance, I think, to get something next week. Sunderland at home, they're a bit of an iffy team at the minute, even though they're still riding high on the table. And then they've got Hull at home, which won't be easy. So, Sunderland at home is probably the one that I'll look at out the next three, where you've got the best chance to get something. And then beyond that, I've got Watford and Leeds. So, it's not the easiest run, but there could certainly be opportunity. And we know the Championship can spring a surprise here and there. So, I think Huddersfield, just at this point, need to get a little bit of clarity on the manager's situation, get somebody in. Try and get that bedded in to kick on and just hopefully build on that victory at the weekend. But Southampton away, obviously, very, very difficult task. It is for anybody at the moment. Even if, say, Leicester were going to St Mary's, it would be very difficult for them. So I think the Huddersfield fans will approach that at the weekend with a, a general consensus and the knowledge, thinking, yeah, we're probably going to lose this one, but this isn't a game that's going to define our season. But as for last weekend, great win. Boost the confidence in the camp. And like you say, just with the shackles off a little bit, it just shows what a team can do. But let's be honest, they were helped by some absolutely woeful and comical at times Wednesday defending.
0: Who do you think's more in danger of getting dragged in of the group above? Blackburn Rovers, Stoke City, Birmingham City, Swansea City or Millwall? Who's Who are the teams that need to be looking at? I feel like Millwall have sort of sneakily sort of stayed in the same position for a while now and not really been spoken about that much. Um, they've they've not. They really have. It's, it's quite weird with
1: Millwall run. because they had a really good run.
0: They did. They had a. They had haven't. A few wins. They've, they've, they've not really covered. at all. Swansea, but they, Swansea have not really kicked on since Luke Williams came in either. Um, we've not really seen a massive improvement. Obviously, Blackburns a complete and utter shambles at the moment. We've st- talked about Stoke and Birmingham, but <laughs> Swansea and Millwall are also in this group. You know, I feel like Rovers, Stoke, and Birmingham are the ones that get in the most limelight. But Swansea and Millwall are on the same form and they've already had their new manager. um, I don't want to say manager bounce because I don't really believe in that anymore. But they're they're the teams that have already switched manager and, and haven't really seen that much of an upturn.
1: Yeah, it's weird. It is weird. But, you know, if you were to say to me, out of the five teams you've mentioned there, Millwall, Swansea, Blackburn, Birmingham, Stoke, I think I'd be inclined to say Birmingham are the most likely to pull clear because I think Tony Mowbray... He's obviously a vastly experienced manager. He knows this league inside out. And yeah, he's not sort of hit the ground running at Birmingham. They obviously lost to West Brom last weekend. But the weekend prior, they lost 3-0 at Leicester in the FA Cup. And the Birmingham fans were saying in the first half, they absolutely outclassed Leicester and were terrific. And the the overall performance was not worthy of a 3-0 defeat. So Birmingham have got the quality and the manager, I think, to get out of this. Whether it takes a few weeks or not, we shall see. Millwall... Like I said, they had a good start to the calendar year. They went on that run over Christmas, New Year, when they went, I think it was five games unbeaten. They kept four clean sheets in a row, five games without conceding from open play. And at that juncture, you thought, yeah, they're going to kick on here and pull away. But since beating Bristol City on New Year's Day, they've lost three of the last four. And they've got Coventry away this coming weekend. That's a really, really tough game. The Sky Blue's obviously in excellent form at the moment. And then you've got Swansea, who... Have not really pulled up any trees under Luke Williams yet. And as you say, Blackburn's just a complete farce at the minute. So all of these clubs are in danger. And it's just such a pity, from, say, a Wednesday point of view, that they've not managed to kick on from the start of the year they had and sort of sucked these teams in. Because sort of four or five weeks ago, Wednesday were looking like a team that they were the most likely to get out of this with the form that they'd discovered. Huddersfield, obviously, one win against a relegation-threatened team. Yeah, it boosts morale, but there's no indications to suggest that it's going to be a run that's going to sort of trigger great things. Like I said, they've got a difficult run of fixtures coming up. So I think those sort of teams, your Birmingham's, your Blackburn's, your Stokes, I think they need to look at QPR most over the shoulder. I think QPR's fixture list looks the most favourable, say, in the next two or three weeks. But as we know in this division, we just don't know what's going to happen. Anything can happen. Blackburn could bring a new manager in. Yes, they're still going mean, that issues off the pitch. But if they hit the ground running, just inject a little bit of confidence into the team, it might trigger a couple of wins. And we've seen how quickly a couple of wins can change things. So it's really difficult. But I think looking at that initial bunch sort of above Huddersfield, I'd say it's Birmingham, probably the most confident about getting out of it without too much, too many problems. But then you look at Millwall, they're stuttering. Swansea is stuttering. Blackburn are a mess. Stoke struggling. All of a sudden, this relegation battle where we thought it was going to be just the four teams at the bottom, as it's been for months, could end up being sort of seven or eight teams in a battle. But it's going to require QPR Wednesday and even Huddersfield as well to sort of find a little bit of form from somewhere. So I think Birmingham are the ones that will be all right in the end. But the others, I'm not so sure about, it could be very interesting this for the neutral over the coming weeks.
0: I think I agree with you. I think I fancy Birmingham to pull clear relatively comfortably in the next whatever we've got, 16 games of the season. I think Tony Mowbray is a really good appointment. I think they've seen positive shoots since he came in as well. Um, they've got, obviously, some two massive games against Birmingham, against Sheffield Wednesday, and then against his former club, Blackburn Rovers, in the next two games. Swansea, not really kicked on under Luke Williams. I do wonder whether they could get dragged in a little bit. And the same for Millwall, who didn't have the... The greatest January transfer window, I think it's fair to say. I think um, Obafemi could be a good signing if they can get him fit, but I think we've said that for the best part of 18 months and Swansea struggled to get a consistent tune out of him and keep him fit. When he was available, he looked great. Got the move to Burnley in the end. Nothing really has happened for him at Turf Moor. He's barely played in the year that he's been there, so he's a bit hit and miss. Stoke just, don't, know, don't matter who goes in at Stoke, there just doesn't seem to be any positive shoots. And I do ultimately, in my heart just, of hearts, think just Stoke
1: aren't they? Really? I do
0: ultimately, in my heart of hearts, think Blackburn will sort themselves out, and that the squad is better than a lot of the teams down there. So Stoke, probably the ones that concern me, as well as maybe Millwall. I think Blackburn and Birmingham probably will sort themselves out. Birmingham, I think, have got a good manager and have got a good squad. I think Blackburn have got a good squad. Whether they can keep the noise off the pitch to a minimum to pull themselves out, we'll have to see. But yeah, I I agree with you. Birmingham would be the ones where I'd hang my hat and say they will probably be the ones of that bottom seven to to really pull clear. Let's have a look at the top of the table now, George, because there was some movement in the automatic race. Um, Southampton, we've kind of expected them to overtake Ipswich for a while now, and it has now officially happened. Ipswich were beaten 3-2 by Preston North End. 3-0 down at half-time. And then big Kiefer Moore comes on. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of Leaf Davis back crosses and Kiefer Moore back post headers between now and the end of the season. He got a brace, but it wasn't enough to get them anything at Deepdale. And Southampton won convincingly. So Southampton now into second, uh, having beaten uh, Rotherham United. Lovely, lovely goal for Adam Armstrong, where... Howard Bellis clips a lovely ball over the top. Fraser's running onto it. little back heel. Great finish from Armstrong. Um, And they won 2-0. Leeds United beat Bristol City 1-0. So they are third at the moment. They're ahead of Ipswich, albeit Ipswich have played a game fewer. So PPG-wise, you're looking at Southampton in second, Ipswich third, and Leeds fourth at the moment. But it's very, very tight. We both predicted Southampton would get second. And they are 21 games unbeaten, so that's probably why we did that. The form is very much with them. But another twist, and it's going to be very exciting between now and the end of the season. Southampton in pole position. Ipswich, a few question marks planted at them. Are they going to fall away now? Is it going to be Leeds and Southampton to the finish line? Let's see. But I think the second half performance at, Portland, at Deepdale was, was really important. The first half was... If you look at the goals they gave away, you know one of them's an own goal, potentially offside as well in the build-up. Um, a little bit unlucky where George Edmondson tackles Will Keane, but or oh, Jakobsen it was actually and pokes it into his own corner. Playing out from the back, Mosey gets caught, Keane gets it uh, and doubles the lead. So they're giving away really poor goals, which they've done all season. But second half, I thought they were really good. Kiefer Moore looks like a great addition for them; that it'll fit right in. It's going to be interesting to see how it all develops, isn't it?
1: It certainly is, but I've got to stick with my prediction that Southampton will scoop second. The, the run of form that they're on is just absolutely frightening. But you can say the same now for Leeds United. They've had a storming start to the calendar year with seven wins from eight games in all competitions. They look in red-hot form at the moment. I watched the game against Plymouth in the FA Cup. The uh, The replay on... Tuesday night it was. And yeah, they took it to extra time, Plymouth. But Leeds, after that, they just dismantled them with the, the attacking quality that they've got. And you look at the options that they've got with with obviously Dan James, Somerville, Ruta, and Pirro have been the main men for Willie the bulk Nonto of the season. Back from the dead. And Willie Nonto is back from the dead indeed with two goals in his last two games. I watched the game against Bristol City last Friday night as well. And obviously, he was the match winner at Ashton Gate. So Daniel Farker has got an absolutely incredible crop of attacking talent but you can say the same for Russell Martin who obviously added David Brooks to his ranks in the transfer window so both managers have got an embarrassment of riches to pick from and it's not sort of saying no disrespect to Ipswich it's just factual that these two have got better squads than Ipswich and I think you've got to credit Ipswich just for what they've done up to this point the way that they've managed not only stick with these guys but for the most part be in front of them as well is a remarkable achievement. And no doubt there will be some comments at the end of the season Say, if Ipswich finished fourth, saying they bottled it. Fourth place would be an achievement beyond the, the wildest dreams of Ipswich fans at the start of the season. It's been a remarkable achievement. And yeah, Kiefer Moore is a, a really good signing. That deal got done, didn't it, a few hours after we recorded last week's podcast. And it feels like a very Ipswich sort of signing. And I actually had forgotten that he'd been at Portman Road before a few years back and never pulled up any yeah. trees. He didn't score during that spell and then comes on for his second debut for the club and pops up with two in 45 minutes at Preston. So it's a perfect way for a striker to mark his debut, even though it was obviously ended in defeat. And that was a disappointing one for Ipswich, because obviously Preston are a bit of a funny team at the minute. They're either at it or they're not. But all of a sudden now, it feels like Southampton versus Leeds in a straight shootout, even though you cannot dismiss Ipswich. They are still in the race. It's still very, very tight. And all I can say is if we get the, the prospect of a straight shootout on the final day of the season with Southampton facing Leeds, that is going to be a remarkable sceptical for What's anybody of a neutral heritage. persuasion. It could be. Forget Troy Deeney moments against Leicester City. There could be something in this one instead. Nice it playoffs. could be an absolute bonanza, this one, if this happens. Obviously, it could be all sewn up by then. There's a quite a fair amount of football to be played before then, of course. But I think Southampton at the minute, obviously, they're in the driving seat. They do have a game in hand on Leeds as well, which could be crucial at this stage and the, then you talk about individual talent in Southampton's ranks we've mentioned the likes of Nonto at Leeds Ruter and all those guys Adam Armstrong I mean what a season he's having at this level again it is absolutely remarkable he is just on another level in the championship he's one of the best all-round strikers slash wingers really that we've seen at this level for quite some time and he's just done it every year at this level in the last three or four years so he's very very lucky Russell Martin to have a player like him And then you mentioned the likes of David Brooks, Sekumara, Mara, Shea Adams. It's just an embarrassment of riches. And the same can be said for Farker. But two points separate the three of them at the minute. Ipswich are still right in the race. And they're just going to keep rotating over the coming weeks. I thought there's been many twists and turns. And I, for one, looking at the top end of the table as a neutral, I'm very, very intrigued to see how this all plays out. So... We'll see what happens, but you look at this weekend's fixtures. Southampton at home to Huddersfield, you'd expect Southampton to win that one. Leeds at home to Rotherham, you'd expect Leeds to win that one. Ipswich, they've got um I think they where have they got? Who have Ipswich actually got this weekend? They've got West Brom in the early kickoff on Saturday. So all three are at home. Big weekend this, obviously, if Ipswich win, they go back above the pair of them, at least for 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 an hour or so, a couple of hours. So big old weekend, this one for for many many reasons at both ends of the table.
0: We're by no means in the uh, the final furlongs of the season, but it does feel like the jeopardy of each matches has, has ranked up a notch in the last week week or so. It definitely feels like after this next week, we'll have had three championship match days um, after the end of next weekend, and, and you know we will be into the sort of the last nearly dozen games of champion of, of the championship season, and really into the thick of it where. Results will matter and can start to be definitive. I did just want to touch on Morgan Whitaker before we wrap up because he is now the joint championship top scorer after his fantastic winning goal against Swansea City. Of course, the club that sold him in the summer. He had, you know, he came back from a, a very impressive loan spell at Plymouth. Didn't really get the opportunity under Russell Martin and wearing the captain's armband as well. For him to be joint top scoring the championship on 16 goals and for, for Plymouth to not even have been part of the relegation conversation we've just had for the best part of 25 minutes. What what a job. I can't say what a job Ian Foster's doing because he's only just come in, but what a job the, the people and the hierarchy at Plymouth in terms of the recruitment team, the ownership and the overall structure, which has made them such a, a solid club and, and probably one of the best models to follow of a team climbing the pyramids in the same way that we've waxed the club about Luton, in recent years. Before that, um, Brighton and Brentford. Plymouth very much feel like they're they're on their own journey at the moment and, and, and just improving week by week, season by season, month by month. Yeah,
1: absolutely. They've done a terrific job. And I go back to the predictions we made at the beginning of the season when we did our 1-24s and I never once considered Plymouth for relegation. And that was despite them having spent 14 years out of the Championship in league two and league one so they've done a remarkable job morgan Whitaker, i think is probably been my favorite player in the championship this season you know i used to wax lyrical last season so often about victor jokeres how was he was my my little hero i enjoyed watching i think morgan Whitaker's took that accolade this season he's just been on another level and he seems in his interviews such a level-headed kid really really talks a good game speaks well and you can just generally see he enjoys what he's doing. It's been a remarkable fairy tale story for him, really. And you think Plymouth paid a million pounds for him. It's Probably got to be one of the 10 best signings Easily. Easily. He's got to be one of the best signings in terms of value of money I think the championship has ever seen. I think. And that is being maybe maybe a tad too far for some. But to have returned sixteen goals and six assists in the league alone in twenty nine games is it's a phenomenal return. Absolutely phenomenal. 22 goal involvements in 29 games for a player that in the first half of last season was playing in League One. He stepped up, made it look so easy. I mean, if you'd got if you looked at the betting odds at the start of this season and said, as we approach middle of February, I'm gonna have Morgan Whitaker and Sammy Smodics as the joint top scorers in the championship. I can't begin to think I what we have got on that. And
0: Smodics was 150 to one.
1: Well, I'd imagine Whitaker would have been around the same mark. I doubt many would have considered him mm-hmm. capable of doing what he's done, and it just begs the question, doesn't it? Why did Swansea let him go? I just do not understand it. Because we said in the summer, didn't we? Why on earth did Norwich let Bally Ballymumber go? And in a moment, I felt it, like Bally Mumba was, was the bigger spoken was a about,
0: bigger mistake from Norwich rather yeah. than and Whitaker's the one that's really kicked on. I thought it would be Mumber of if, if, if the two of them. I did. Bali
1: Mumber is not somebody who we really seem to have mentioned on this podcast for quite a while. And that's not to say he's not been playing well because that whole Plymouth team's played its part in their success so far. But Morgan it Whitaker, it? it's just a player, isn't it? And it's just a case of every time Plymouth Argyle score, you just go, is it Morgan Whitaker that's got it? Because you just presume it's him because he's been that good. So, yeah, you're very, very right to to sort of say he deserves a special mention on this podcast because... He's been phenomenal this season and I say he's on 16 goals in the league at the minute. He's easily going to get the 20 mark, no doubt about it. There's another, what, 17 games, 18 league games to go. He's going to smash through the 20 goal barrier and who knows what he could go on to achieve. But put it this way, if he keeps up this run of form, sorry Plymouth fans, but I highly doubt he's going to be playing at Home Park next season because there's going to be a queue of Premier League clubs, that would have thought, sniffing around his signature.
0: And that marks the end of this week's Championship Chat Podcast. Thank you for listening. Please make sure you are subscribed to this podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts from and follow us on Twitter at champchatpod24. A massive thank you as always to our sponsors, Cards Accepted, for supporting the podcast this season. If you're looking to take car payments with no contract or monthly fees, make sure you check them out at cardsaccepted.co.uk. Thank you for listening and we'll catch you next week for another episode of the Championship Chat Podcast. This is the Championship Chat Podcast, your home of news, views and debate from England's second tier.